you can't wait another minute. You can't put it off another day. Your life is too valuable to forfeit your destiny. So let's start something new. Now, <laughs> let's go. When we are bitten by life unexpectedly, it can often cause damage beyond recognition. And the truth of the matter today is that many of us are living our lives out of the eye. Didn't see that coming experience. The perspective says no. Your faith will say that God is still fighting for me. That when your perspective tries to convince you that you are down and out, your faith will remind you that it is God who has all power in his hands, who is still working things for you. Say it again. The assertion of the fact that mercy is present means this, y'all. Without the existence of mercy, that would be different meaning if mercy wasn't present it would be another way but Jeremiah says that because of the Lord's mercies which now means that we have to shift our outlook and it has to be Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome in to another week of the Your Next Now podcast with Marissa Farrell. I'm super excited that you joined me today. If you were uh, catching up on the last podcast, you know that I was announcing that we had some super exciting guests coming up, and I have one of those guests with me today, and you're going to hear about that in just a few moments, but I'm excited that you've taken the chance to join us today. This is like the realest podcast you're going to get from me because my kid is on break all week long from daycare, so he's definitely downstairs I'm watching on camera but the funny thing is that um he may very well be yelling at Goofy so if y'all hear my kid in the background y'all just forgive me until he falls asleep but anyway I'm excited because this week is an exciting week you all know and I've been announcing this every week the Woman Arlie's Masterclass Conference is coming up uh this September and so if you have not already looked into that make sure you do because we want to see you down in Atlanta it's going to be an absolutely powerfully amazing time uh on top of that you know we opened and launched the Inspired Women's Book Club this week, and I'm excited about this group of women who will gather every week in intimate sessions to help one another, learn from one another, grow from one another, and it's just going to be amazing. So if you want to hear more about that, do me a favor, click the link in my bio on Instagram, or you can visit it from my website. But today, I'm excited to get into this super dope conversation with a super dope guest. Many of you have seen her, you know her. She is one of the single most inspirational women that I follow on social media. Her story is powerful. Her testimony is even more powerful, but she is a powerful woman of God. And today I know that she's going to drop some amazing things, some wisdom, some nuggets that's going to usher you into healing. And today's topic is dealing with outliving the lie. Um, I think a lot of times we are drawn into the narrative of what life offers us. And we begin to believe that we have to become products of our environment, our trauma, our situations. But this young lady proves to us every single day that you do not have to be that. So do me a favor, wherever you are, welcome my guest, Sophia Ruffin. How are you, sis? I'm doing so good, man. Like I said, it's such an honor for real to finally kind of meet you, even though we're not having met in person yet. Yeah. But I love your ministry and I've been following your ministry for years. And so it's a complete honor to be on with you today. 
Wow. Well, I'm really, really glad that you're on with me. And yes, this is the most informal formal meeting, but it's so dope because we've been connected for a while. You have supported and not just my ministry, but my business. And I have just followed you. I know a good friend of yours, Tawanda Usher. She is an amazing person. I know her spirit and her oil. And I've had the privilege of um, being in some dope worship experiences with her. And so I know, you know, by the company that you keep, that you are a great woman of God. But, you know, what's going on with Sophia Ruffin, we have been watching you online. You have been inspiring us all. I see that you have a dope project coming or that's already out and available on platforms. But catch us up on everything happening with Sophia Ruffin. Man, I appreciate it. You know, um, I just be having some fun. I'm just be honest. I'll be having a good time in God, you know, and I guess if we continue to talk, we'll get into that. But, you know, everything I try to do um, is whenever God put it on me, like, give me these creative ideas. I go with it, you know, um, not afraid to just take the risk and to believe in myself and jump out there and do it. Um, so I do, I just released the project, the As It Is and Having an Album, you know, that was really something that came and was birthed out of a season of trauma, pain, adversity, um, and really the, just the song of the Lord just came through that experience. Um, and then, um, Got a conference coming up, uh, Glory After This Continue. Again, something that was birthed out of a traumatic experience. One of the things I've learned, I, I call myself the comeback kid. And somebody right. said to me, um, aren't you too old for that phrase? It's like, you have no idea. Comeback kid, <laughs> and every time I get knocked down, I'm getting back up. It may take a minute, but I'm getting back up. Um, and that's just really been the journey of my life, everything I've done has been really being led by God and making some type of comeback from some type of adversity. And so I'm just doing some some dope things and just having a good time. That's really, really dope. One of the things I want to highlight, even before we move on to the next um, thing that I want to ask you, is just, you know, that, that ability to what you keep highlighting is come back and to turn your trauma into triumph. And, and I know that that's not always easy for people, right? Like we meet people every day who are consumed by their trauma and who allow trauma to become them. And I found that people are often, um, you know, or not even often, almost always drawn to one side or the other. Either you're going to allow your trouble to become a story and a testimony, but then you have the other side of life where people just get drowned in it what is that thing that pushes you like how is it that you got to the place? I know how I got to that place and I know a lot of people yeah. often want to hear you know how we get to these places in our life but for you especially because you have such a powerful foundation you talk very openly about your life and your story how did you get to that place where you were just so determined to turn every single trauma in your life into triumph so to be real you know you know how some people grew up like in church and grew up and you knew they was gonna be saved, like they just yeah. had stuff about them. Like, man, that 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 you know, I've been saying like you you can you let me just stop and say this, you can flat out preach. I'ma just put it, you can flat out preach and I'm saying this like for real, like seeing you uh and have been a follower of your ministry, you wow. know, uh, even you you end up following me back, you know, but I had already been following you. And oh, wow. so, Seeing your that 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 tenacity, that preacher, you were preaching when you were young. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that thing is just in you, right? It's powerful, explosive. I didn't um I didn't even really know I was a preacher. Like or I didn't even know um 
what God would do in my life. It was mm-hmm. when I got saved. I'm still. I listen to me. Uh, I'm still shocked up and saying that God delivered me. God transformed my life. And so to me, um, all the journey and as we get into the testimony part, we'll get there. But to really be for real, I I just believe God for everything. When God saved me. The miracle of my testimony and my personal transformation to me was a miracle ministry to see how far God brought me his love and what he did done in my personal life made me believe if God did this for me and I've been able to kind of experience the transformation of my entire life through my life being given to God, no matter what opposition I ran into, no matter what trauma I was dealt after I gave my life to the Lord, I was already bought in to the faith walk, to the belief that like God really got me. And no matter what I go through, no matter what I experience, I'm getting up. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, it's going to be a miracle of what God do through me. And I just developed that mentality. And I also think that came from, I played college basketball, you know, mm-hmm. I tried out for the WNBA. Um, and oh. so I thought I was going to be in the league. And I think a lot of that discipline and that uh, tenacity come from just my athletic perspective as well. Wow. That is is a key point, though, that it is a mindset. And, and that is something that I think specifically all of my, my listeners today need to understand that you have to develop it in your mind, you know, and, 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 and that which develops in your mind translates to your heart, meaning every life shift begins with a mind shift. It first starts in your mind. You talked about the mentality, right? And I even have a, a sermon that I, I've um, recently uh, been developing about, you know, the children of Israel coming out of captivity. And it's been so relevant to this day. I preached this sermon many, many years ago and rewrote the sermon post pandemic because it deals with the fact that there has to be a mind change after being in any type of bondage, any type of trauma, any type of situation. Like they were for 70 years, they were under the leadership and the reign of a tyrant. They were stripped of their identity. They were snatched from their hometown. And literally everything that they knew was taken from them. They lost people in in the the captivity. They went through all of these different things. But when they came out, you know, their song was found in Ezra for he is good, right? That's a perspective, right? And so I think that one of the key things that people need to hear from you today and understand is that, you know, that kind of deliverance and that kind of tenacity has to be about a perspective, meaning it's like love. Every single day, you have to make a decision to get up and be delivered, literally, because you have the ability at any given moment. That's the the frailty of human nature, right? We can go back at any given moment, but there's a mentality in you that has been developed in you that makes you want to keep pushing and keep pressing. But one of the other things that you said that I love is no matter what I went through after I got saved, you know, I was already in to who God was. And I think that's so just life changing for us to launch this conversation today, because a lot of the reasons why people get wrapped up in the lie of life, and it's not even necessarily just a lie of of sin or, or the life, you know, that comes from your specific testimony. It could be the lie of abuse. It could be the lie of domestic violence. It could be the lie of emotional trauma, rejection, abandonment. And a lot of times the reason why we get caught up in the those things is because we fail to recognize that even with our brokenness, 
our faith is what makes us strong. You know, it, it is in our weakness that he is made strong. And that's a belief. It's a mindset. It's about saying that when God sees me in all of my weakness and all of my frailties, I can still lean and draw from his strength. So we start to, you know, devalue ourselves and we make ourselves inadequate in the mindset of God, in the presence of God. And a lot of people are even too afraid to approach God. But the reality is salvation is not built on you getting it right. Like literally John 3, 16, one of the, you know, scriptures that we use as a quintessential point of our, you know, walk with God is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. It doesn't say whosoever gets it right. It doesn't say who gets it perfect. It doesn't say who gets it right all the time, who was never broken, who never went through anything. But if you just believe in him, that you shall not perish. And that's the place that I've landed my feet. And that's obviously a place that you've landed your feet. There are a lot of people who are listening today who may not necessarily know the depth of your testimony, do me a favor, give me an overview. But what I really want to understand is that point in life for you that absolutely changed everything, that just turned you around and you were like, this is it. I, I have to turn my life to God. You know, uh, that's amazing um, what you're sharing. When I gave my life to God, it was a practical joke that we're right. So I'm a prankster by nature. So twice in my journey, of transformation it was me pranking somebody and it turned on me and so you know when I used you to had a Shirley season moment right like I was playing and then that thing got real <laughs> it got real like so you know um just to just to like make a long story short you know of course I always tell people you know sometimes we want to know well how did you get into the lifestyle of homosexuality what is it like everybody's journey is different everybody's story is different but I believe now that I'm older and begin to recognize, like, how does all of this happen? I dealt with trauma. I'm a failed abortion. So, number one, rejection was sown in the womb. My mother said that she took Humphrey Levin. She had a, a, a daughter and a son already didn't want a third child. And so she took these pills called Humphrey Levin. And she said to me that those pills were supposed to abort the baby. But she said the more she took these pills to kill me, I kept kicking strong. She was like, the greater I grew in her womb. And it reminded me of the children of Israel. The more they were afflicted, the greater they grew. Right. And my mother, when she shared that testimony with me, she said, I kept on saying, why this baby won't die? But it was a tenacity that was in me as a seed. Like, I couldn't die as a seed because God had a plan for me. And so she could not... It was like she kept taking these pills, doing different things to try to abort me, but I refused to die. And so I dealt with the rejection in the womb. Then when she found out she was having a girl, you know, why did I have a girl? I want another son. So all <laughs> these things happening in the womb. I come out. Then I deal with my dad being in and out of my life, you know, in and out of prison. He had different things going on in his life at that time. So I'm dealing with abandonment, trauma. You know, growing up in this. Then I dealt with sexual abuse at 11 years old. And so wow. then now I'm abused. And so my my way of defending myself and protecting myself from abuse was, I'm just going to put on my brother's drawers. I'm going to do this and that. So the enemy don't play fair. I'm thinking back on I'm a kid. And so the enemy don't play fair. He's going to take advantage of any open door and open opportunity. And so I hated men. I hated my life. And I hated all these things. Now, I believe I was supernaturally gifted with basketball because I'm a kid, but I was I, I picked up a ball and I'm 
I'm, I'm elevated to varsity. I'm with grown women. I'm with, you know, I'm exposed to these uh, adult conversations. I'm around coaches that were in the same sex lifestyle. So I'm exposed to this community. And this community, it was family to me. And so then at 16, I had a, 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 a grown woman uh, who introduced me to the lifestyle. I had no idea the language at that time, studs, films, this and that, you know, because back then it wasn't as right. open as it is now. And so she started exposing me to the language to fit my personality, to fit me and start grooming me and preparing me, discipling me. And so mm -hmm. then by this time, I'm, I'm convinced I have community. I'm around people that get me, that understand me. I got friends. We're in this lifestyle. We, we get each other. And so all of that created a monster. You know, uh, my mother, the beautiful thing about my mom, and Lord, may she rest in peace, but she had played such a role in my journey because when people were saying, your daughter a, 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 a lesbian, you know, you how because my mother in church, Baptist church, missionary Baptist church, you know, here it is. I'm wearing drawers, I'm sagging my pants, I got a fade, you know, I'm going through this process. And they like, how are you still loving this child? Like this girl, you cut her off. But my mother said, no, she loved me because she knew who God called me to be. And she always said, the fruit of her womb is blessed. She's going to raise me up in the way I should go and I won't depart. I'll be back. So my mother loved me. Go through this journey. Now, here's the crazy part. I worked so much for the power of darkness. I didn't even like people that were gay. I didn't like women that were already in the lifestyle. It was the whole power of conversion. It was the whole power of being able to manipulate, turn people out. So I was dark at this time, Marissa. You can say to me, "You, you, you got you going to hell." People, I never heard the good news. Listen, I never heard the gospel. I would go to church, but I never heard the gospel. Wow. And so all I heard was, "You're condemned to hell. God hates you." So by this time, I hate the God that hate me. Because I didn't ask to be abused. I didn't ask to be a failed abort. Where's this God you church people talking to me about who I felt like wasn't there for me? And if he's going to condemn me to hell, I guess I'm going to take whoever I can with me. So then there was an anger and a rage. So when people will come to me and bring me scripture, I knew the word to, to fight. And say, nah, you know, you know, I'm fighting with them and arguing with them about my life. And it was just like, and so to make a long story short, I remember um, going into a church, I, I, uh, invited to a church because everybody wanted me to be they, they person they used as like, I led her to Christ. They would take me to these churches as soon as I hit the door. God didn't make out of the city. Now, as soon as I hit the door, I mean, I'm already turned off. And so I was like, man, I'm not going to do this church stuff anymore. I'm not going. Then I had a friend that invited me to church. I've never been exposed to the prophetic. That's why I love the prophetic. I grew up missionary Baptist when I would go to church. Never been exposed to the prophetic. Now, this church, particularly, I used to go to, they ain't believe in speaking the tongues. They ain't believe in the prophetic. I go in this church. I brush my hair, I had my 360s, made sure I had on my cologne. I was going to 
Like, okay, I'm ready today. I want them to pull it because I'm ready today. I was gonna clap. I was gonna clap back. I was gonna act a fool in the church. This is how the enemy don't play. I go to church, old movie theater, but it's huge. I sit in the back. I prop my feet up. I see people speaking in tongues, and I see all this, and I'm like, these people goofy. What are they doing? Long after the pastor comes out, he says, Martha Mulisi, come lay down your burdens. The burdens you have carried for in this sanctuary, God is here. All of a sudden, I'm hyperventilating. I'm like, oh, man, this is this is something. Then he starts preaching the gospel. You could be born again. God will forgive you. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You could be made a new creature in Christ. Now, I'm hearing this, and he starts preaching the good news. And I'm like, man, okay, that sounds good. God challenged me to go to the altar, give my life to the Lord. That was an aha moment for me. And I remember as I'm walking down to go to the altar, I remember it was like the green mountain. I said to the Lord, whatever you do, God, please don't embarrass me. Please, like, please don't embarrass me down here. The pastor removes the mic from his mouth. He whispered and prophesied my whole entire life. I immediately was like, who is this God that revealed my secrets to this man? I want, I want to know who that, per, that person is. I never pursued the prophet. I immediately, when I left the altar, I went on a journey of, I got to find this God who just spoke through this man about me that loved me. If I find you, I'll be okay. That was the awakening of the beginning. That was in 2003. Uh, the, the awakening of me coming to know the Lord. And I went on this journey when people say that you have to cut this. I ain't have to cut nobody off. I was so in search of, I was reading the gospel and didn't even understand the Bible. I was just reading it. And in that journey, scripture, scripture upheld me. Understanding whom the son sets free, I'm free indeed. So I, I wasn't really discipled by anybody in the beginning of my journey. I was disciple one-on-one with Holy Spirit. And that's what locked me in. When I hit scripture, he will be done a good work and you're going to complete it. God was securing me in my future because he knew it was about to be a journey that I was going to go through. So it wasn't poopy gone. I was just, oh, I'm so free. Nah, I went through a journey of a full transformation. But I don't take one moment away I enjoyed the process because I learned God for myself and that's what's working for me today. Wow. That is that's so powerful. And and the reality is there are so many people in this world who have similar stories. And what I love about what you have you know, given to us today is the backstory, right? So a lot of people, specifically in church, they hear, they see, they think, they assume, and never have gotten to that place, that trauma that really has to be uncovered in order for healing to begin. You know, with love and kindness that I draw on me, people never get to the love and kindness to even understand the trauma of where people have been to be able to minister effectively to people like that. And I believe that God has placed and planted you in this specific season and for this specific time because there is an understanding 
about the foundation of what you have come through and gone through and the mindset behind it. You start talking about being angry and being angry to the point where you were on a demonic mission almost. You were going, like you said, I was on my way to hell and taking whoever I could take with me. And who, and you know, at the end of the day, God has called to the Jew and the Gentile. And that's what I love about, you know, being a Christian, being a part of this great, this great faith because God is not just called to me, but he's also called to you and he's called to the one who did this to me and the one who did, you know, inflicted the pain upon me and the one who started the the understanding and the way the one who began the grooming, like God is called to each and every one of us. And it's our job and our responsibility to answer. Life tends to push us uh, into just cycles of, like you talked about, anger and unforgiveness and cycles of emotional abuse and trauma. And I mean, literally just repetitive cycles. And a lot of us, as I spoke about earlier um, in the podcast, tend to live within the parameters of those lies because we feel like this is all that I'll ever be. This is all that I'll ever have. And a lot of people may not necessarily be like you where they're at the point where they understand the purpose assignment that is on their life and understanding that from birth, God had something on me for me to have gone through the things that I've gone through. What is that, that perspective that you were able to get to in your mind to be able to start to outlive those lies and those narratives and not just the lies and the narratives, but even the grooming and the things that went on because, and, and everyone's testimony is not the same, right? So maybe someone was abused by a parent and didn't become necessarily engulfed in a homosexual lifestyle, but they were promiscuous and that's why they sleep with any and everything because they look up for love in all the wrong places. But when you start to outlive that narrative, what is that space for you that allowed you to really begin to break that hold and to begin to develop an understanding within yourself that said, that I am more than this and believe that God had, because that's the, the one thing that, that, that kind of, I wish, you know, sometimes like when you have young people in your life, you know, sometimes you're like, I just wish I could just hit you upside your head and make you get it. Sometimes when I'm looking at like Christians, I'd be sitting there like, I wish I could just slap you upside your head and get you to understand. Like if God still has you positioned in this earth, I promise you there is a great reason, a great intention and a great purpose behind it. What is that place for you that speaks to those who have been wrapped up in the lies and are trying to find the kind of um, avenue that they need to come out of those lies. Yeah, I think that's good. One of the things um, I would say, like back then we didn't have social media, you know what I mean? Where we can be encouraged by a favorite preacher or favorite prophet, get a word. We didn't have that, you know, access to that. And so I always tell young people and tell people, period, the word at the end, like the word really, secured me in my entire process and my journey and no matter how much we try to you know get motivational speaking we try to be inspired that that fade away when people would come and they would just try to you know encourage me they words only that it was temporary it was like oh i feel good for the moment and i think a lot of christians a lot of people that's going through things they're encouraged and so when they get encouraged i got enough for the two days you know i'm good but then when it's really the word and you really base your foundation, like the word is going to make me stand a while. You got to read the word because that's the ultimately, that's the only thing. I was reading the word and had no understanding, but I also trusted God. I trust the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of these practical things that we call as, oh, that's just, you know, people don't really do that no more. Right. At the end of the day, if you really want to be true to understanding your purpose, unlocking your purpose, 
living out your full potential, outliving the life, it is the word of God. And it is really trust the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. Because ultimately, honestly, that's, that's, I don't have nothing else. Because that's exactly <laughs> what worked for me. Right. God is the algorithm. That's what she's saying. The word is the algorithm. Of you. And the other thing is that you talk about was the social media piece. And while there's a lot of people who find inspiration there, there are so many people who find pressure in the social media realm as well to feel like I have to get it right. And all these people are living so right. And all these people are doing this. Let me tell you something. I talked to my mom the other day and I remember asking her specifically about a time in her life that she was dealing with something that I never even knew she was dealing with. I mean, She's grown now. I'm sure she don't care. And then the day, there was a time in my life where, you know, my mom, she she used to smoke, right? And I asked her, like, mom, when did you, you know, when did you get the limit from smoking and whatever? And how long were you smoking? Because I just remember seeing a picture when I was younger of my mom, like, holding the cigarette. And all of my life, in the 33 years that I've been alive, I've never known my mom to do anything like that. But when I saw that, when I talked to her, she was just like, oh my God, that was so long ago. It was like, you know, but it was like 16 years that she was dealing. She said, when I asked God to change my appetite, he literally just took it out of my mouth. And, you know, and I said that to encourage someone to know not to like expose anything, but to really, really encourage people to know a lot of times what you're looking at is the product of time. You know, a lot of people feel like, Oh, everybody's got it all together. First of all, let me say this. And I said this a couple weeks ago. Content will have you looking like deliverance you don't have, money you don't have, and power you don't have. Let's be very clear. So you have to really personalize your journey to allow yourself the room to breathe, the room to grow in God, and the room to embrace process and progress. It's not overnight, right? Everything seems to take, you know, some level of time. And because of, and, and most of the times rather, it's because like I talked about yesterday um, in those who, who have my daily text, you know, a lot of these seasons are seasons of development, right? We have to go through a place where we literally get every single thing out of a trial that God wants us to get and understand. You know, you can't necessarily advance to another level or another grade in school until that school has been able to test and figure out, do you have the knowledge and the wisdom to be able to make it on the next level? There are a lot of things that you have to be able to embody, understand, and have victory over at the place that you are. But if you are so busy focusing on feeling like spiritual content is is, is a direct reflection of spiritual relationship, then you're going to miss the fact that this is not a hurried journey. That you, that you know, that every day you spend in God, there is something that God is trying to teach and train and talk to you about, and all of that comes through. The word of God, you know, and that's one of the things that I appreciate about you saying, she's like, I don't have anything else. What I have is the word and the word of God is certainly a lamp unto my feet and it is a light unto my path. And that is the reality of the power of God's word. But a lot of times now people look at that like it's cliche or like it's, you know, some type of joke when in reality it is the power of God's word that will break bondage, that will slow your pace, that will moderate your journey because what it will do is not just enlighten you and inspire you, but it will also remind you that at the end of the day, you are not in this by yourself. There are so many people in the Bible who have similar stories, similar traumas. I mean, there are literally stories of abuse and rape right there in the Word. If you don't believe it, you never read it, go look at Tamar and Absalom's house. So she was raped by her own brother. Family trauma, family dysfunction, familial bondage, rape, molestation, all 
these things go on in the Bible, but there's also stories of triumph and victory. You talking about somebody like David, who ends up being one of the greatest kings to ever reign over Israel. And I feel like people think the Bible's played out when the Bible is still the infallible proof and infallible truth and unadulterated word of God that still liberates, heals, delivers, and sets free. And it is on that premise that we can begin to find healing. Talk about your journey to healing because one of the things you just talked about in the beginning of the podcast was these are things that were birthed out of trauma, right? And you've been saved for, for a while now, right? So I can't imagine that this was just the trauma that you went through years ago. But some of these are probably traumas that you are still dealing with, things that are still happening or, or things that the enemy tries to creep into your life. Talk about that journey to healing and how people can find healing and, and healing 10 times over. Because one thing that I found about this life is that it's not designed to be, you know, circular. It is designed to be an incline. We are designed to be progressive. That means that you're going to have to heal time and time again because things are going to happen. You're going to be saved and you're going to get hurt. You're going to be in the church and you're going to get hurt. You're going to love your family and you're going to get hurt. But you still have to be able to find that journey to healing. So when we start talking about outliving the lies, how do you find the journey to healing, which is a prerequisite to wholeness in your life? Yeah, I love when you were talking about time um, and development and process. When I, when I said earlier, 2003 was when I gave my life to the Lord. Wow. But 2003 to 2008, that was a huge journey mm-hmm. of time um, of me taking that time to really be in the Word and to believe God. And so to go through my transformation, and the thing was, God had changed me inwardly before that was ever any what they call physical proof. Cause a lot of times people look for physical proof before they believe anything. But God had through that process, God had started doing things inwardly before it was a manifestation outwardly. But just even recently, we talk about trauma and healing throughout my whole journey, you know, salvation, I had to go through different things, but just even last year, I lost my grandmother. And then a few months later, I lost my mom. And we're not mm-hmm. talking about, uh, people that these are distant relationships. These were very, very close relationships. Wow. And so to be able to go through that and go through a vulnerable scene and go through a trial, the only reason why people knew it, not was because I showed it. It was because I told it. You know, mm-hmm. I shared with people because even in that, you know, it was like I didn't know if I could make it, if I could move forward. How am I going to keep going? But again. I had to put my trust in God. I had to trust the process. I had to go through the process. And so even with grieving, I'm grieving now. Wow. I'm still in grief. Absolutely. But it's a demonic grief, I believe. But there's also a grace to grieve where you understand your humanity. So I think whenever you're healing and you're going through your moment where you feel your humanity, I don't care how saved we are, how much we talk in tongues, how much we shout. God's going to take us to moments where you got to be okay with giving yourself permission to feel your humanity. Jesus felt his humanity. That's why I said, if it be your will, let this cup pass. But God said it's not. He still had to drink it. And so I believe that it, as you're healing, as you're going through your progress, as the people are listening, there may be different situations they're in, different scenarios that's happening. You know, uh, uh, be okay with Feeling that humanity, talking to God, God, please take this cup from me. I said to God, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this. After you took my mom, after my mom left, I can't, I can't do it. And the Lord like drink the cup because no matter what, God is not, God is not emotional. He's not pure level. 
And so I had to understand that God wasn't moved by my emotions. He was, I wasn't moving God because I was emotional. So I had to walk in faith. God, this sucks. This hurt. I don't like it. But I had to drink the cup and keep it moving and understand that God got me. That, that in the midst of that. And so I want to share with people, allow yourself to heal. Give yourself permission. You can't heal what you conceal. Whatever you cover up, there's no true healing. And so I had to be real. I couldn't hide, oh, I'm good and be holier than thou. I'm absent with the body, is present with the Lord. Nah, I get that. But at the same time, I couldn't cover it up with my spirituality. Right. I had to allow myself to be vulnerable and to be transparent, to be naked before the Lord and before people. This sucks. I'm hurting. I'm grieving. And allow myself to be honest in that so that I could begin the journey of healing. And I think healing comes and wholeness comes when you give yourself permission to be transparent and honest about what you're really dealing with in your humanity and trusting God to help you through that process. I believe that. And I think that another part of outliving the lies is that in, in healing, we must begin to accept two things. Number things, the things that we have done against the will of God to the heart of God and also accept that there is wholeness after whatever type of brokenness there has been in your life. You know, whether it was due to things that we chose to do out of trauma or things that we have just done out of environment, out of survival, or just things that just happened to us. And I think a lot of times people tend to, and I know that for me, I even deal with the same thing. I talked about this a couple months ago on my, my um, social media, um, self-condemnation. When I feel like I've let God down, I get to this place where I I start to clam up and I feel like, oh my God, I'm so unworthy and I, I shouldn't be you know, standing in your presence. I can't pray for anything because I don't want to feel like I've disappointed you and now I'm asking you to help me out of something. Or I don't want to feel like, but a lot of people are like afraid to really approach God for prayers of wholeness, prayers of newness, prayers of new levels, new victories, things like that. But you are so confident in everything that you believe God pulled you and called you into being. And I'm talking about from, you know, wealth into prosperity, into healing, into wholeness. How did you develop that confidence? I'm dealing with this this women's uh, group that I just was talking about at the beginning of the podcast, the book club. And I started to discuss the goals that some of the women want to obtain. And a lot of them said, I want to be able to walk in the confidence that, you know, I believe I need to become who I feel like maybe God has called me to be. It's that timidity. Like, you know, God is just such this big, character and this big person and this big personality and you know a lot of times in black church culture specifically we make um sin and fail failure and idiosyncrasies and you know all these things sitting down on your gifts and all, we make them so you know driven by by guilt and shame that people be, you know become fearful to come boldly before the lord what is that thing in you that helped you to develop that confidence to walk in your call well, um, again, that's a good question. Um, I would say um, in 2011 was, you know, of course, we talk about the whole process, the whole journey. You got, listen, this is one thing. When you, got, you, when you coming out of the lifestyle of the masculinity and embracing femininity, you go through, a, that's a whole nother trauma by itself because you get dealing with shame, embarrassment, you know, uh, being talked about. So I was always used to 
somebody putting their mouth on me. Always having something to say to the point that once I was securing God, man, I didn't even care no more. It was nothing nobody could say that that affected me. I was I was locked in. I'm good. God got me. That's that. So by the time um my whole process and things happened, I remember when I started just sharing my story. I started seeing people being blessed by it. Um, God ended up opening a few doors for me. And then by the time 2016 come, I ended up sharing my story accidentally on Periscope. I had maybe 25 followers. Nobody knew my name. Nobody was exposed to my ministry. None Periscope. Of that. Yes. Periscope. That's 2016. Are you hearing me? In wow. the hood of, of Chicago, like in the, I'm talking about a blow up bed. Okay, no money, didn't have no emergency fund, didn't have no savings, none of that. Okay, and so it was hard living in my mom's house and moved back. So I, I do have where I did social work. So I did 13 years in social services or whatever, and relocated back home to live with my mom, help her through a season, whatever, whatever, went through extreme poverty, extreme. And I remember saying, I'm speaking in tongues, I'm believing God. I'm shouting. I walk through my deliverance. I'm living clean before God. But I'm waking up every day on the blow-up bed. At 2 in the morning, I got to blow the air back in the mattress because the air seeps out. And I'm sitting here still shouting and believing God. Wait a minute. And it came to me. Wait. I want something more. It got to be something more. All of a sudden, that thing of wanting more, it hit me of like, you could be successful. Get up. And I ended up sharing my testimony on Periscope. This is why I tell anybody. I didn't even know I had a vocal gift. Just share it. Yo, this is my life, blah, 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 with the 25 people have them on. The thing went viral, and people were really blessed by it. So I go to work, and I remember saying to my coworker, yo, bro, I'm going to be quitting this job, so I'm going to just write a book. I'm going to write my way out of poverty. I just believe that. Never wrote a book. Didn't know nothing about the process. I'm like, I couldn't really bang on nothing else, but I felt like if I write a book about right. my story, because the only thing I had was a story. I ain't had nothing else. And that's what many people that are listening, they got a story. When you got a story, you got something. And right. so I said, I'm going to write my way out of poverty. And I quit my job. I didn't have a plan B. Uh, I didn't have any other options. I quit my job. I, told, I asked my mom, I said, I may just need help with a car note. But if you give me 30 days or 30 to 90 days, I can guarantee you we'll be out this situation soon. I just believed in what I had to say that God would blow on it. And I wrote my first book, Point Guard the Prophet. Long story short, I wrote that book in 10 days. In 10 days, I wrote the manuscript. In the meantime, while I'm writing that manuscript, in, in those 10 days, I locked in. I I, I had a Lenovo computer, this big computer, one sleeping, one eating, one on my phone. I locked in for 10 days and I wrote the manuscript. In the meantime, a co-worker knew a publisher. This publisher connects with me or whatever. I took my last check and I invested my last money into this, into this publisher, published a book. Within that 90-day period, that book was a bestseller with me doing it on my own. Doors started opening. And it was like the moment I stepped into like writing a book, taking the risk, doing these things, everything started opening up. And within that, within that year, 
I was able, I didn't buy myself a house immediately. When I started getting a little, you know, you get a little something, especially when you come from poverty, you get a little money, you're like, oh, okay. I immediately told my mom, who had never owned, go pick out your house. I want to put the down payment and help you buy your home. And so that was the journey of me stepping into it. Once I wrote that first book, I felt, and it was a success, and I started seeing that. Everything else creatively, I start taking the risk. I start creating. I start just kind of utilizing, you know, my writing ability. Then I'm like, wait, if I wrote a book, let me teach somebody how to write a book. And I had launched my first program a few years ago, how to write a book in 10 days. And when I did that and in three days had did like $30,000, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. In, in one program, I had never can't understood that kind of money. And that was when I started seeing the creative genius of God uh, work through me and started just stepping into it. And I believe that's the gift that we all have to really create, to innovate. But I used what I had. And the only thing I had was a story. And out of that, everything else was established. Wow. That's that's powerful. And I, I actually, you know, a lot of people think that it was just some... Um, you know, magical gene that was given to me to do all the things that I do. And I tell people all the time, no, it's, it's literally just faith. It is just me believing that God has not given me the time that he's given me, the experiences that he's given me, because experience is the differentiator between each and every one of us, right? And my experience is not your experience. Your experience is not necessarily my experience, but every person's experience is valuable if you utilize that to draw from, to gain, to understand, and to grow. And that's something powerful. You just said, if you had a story, you have something. I need every one of my listeners right now to put that in your mental notes that Sophia Ruffin made this very clear to me that if I have a story, I have something. I want to wrap this conversation up really quickly, but I want to know if you feel like as, as now that you are on this side of this and you are teaching and preaching and leading people, do you feel like the church has a greater responsibility to deal with trauma? And if so, as a leader, how can you speak to and help leaders understand how to be more um, ministerial in their approach to people who have gone through um, not just your specific situation, but every variant of situations that exist in the world? Yeah, I, I do think that the church has a responsibility and I think it begins with being transparent. Um, with uncovering the things we typically sweep under the rug, those hard issues, especially with the type of generation we have right now that's exposed to a lot of things. They see things, they expose the things. And so where before we didn't want to have those conversations, um, but now it's such they're exposed to so much. I think that they will respect our transparency from the pulpit that we don't just preach at them, but we minister to them. And I think that that would be a great help where we take time to really, uh, and then with the discipling, after the pulpit, after we done preaching, you know, being able to have a conversation, taking somebody to lunch, spending time with them, you know, dealing with hard cases, not being so so um, gracious for those that are the anointed ones and we want to be around them, but sitting with those that are least of us, those that really are misfits, those that many people don't want to sit with, spend time mm -hmm. with. 
And so that's why I believe God is raising up, you know, people that are offering different type of programs, mentorship programs, discipleship settings, because after you leave church, people need to know how to really walk out their, their call. They don't just need to be preached at. They need to know how to live this thing out. And I think it begins with transparency in the pulpit. That's powerful. Transparency in the pulpit is powerful. And and even just this past Sunday, and I can only speak on these things because we're in such a live stream era. Um, uh, Bishop Glenn Staples, who is the pastor of Temple of Praise in Washington, D.C., he talked about how the Lord had him to run a revival 12 years in the very same city he used to pick up his kilos from of dope. He talked about how he was shooting up dope, how he was selling dope. And that opened up such a spirit of freedom in that room. And I think that if the church could become more um, open-minded to understanding stories like Sophia Ruffins and many others, that a lot of the places that people have been to in their life were often birthed out of situations that a lot of people are in right now. We could help to pull people out and literally bring forth the reality that the laborers don't necessarily have to be few, you know, if we can just be open enough to be understanding and to stop being, you know, the, uh, you, you know, hellfire and brimstone church, because as much as I, you know, came from that era, Jason Nelson was on my podcast a few weeks ago. He talked about how grace is gray. You know, grace is not black and white. It can't be black and white because we are each given a measure of grace and is according to our faith. And at the end of the day, your experience requires a different kind of grace. My experience requires a different kind of grace. Whoever's listening to this podcast right now, your experience requires a different level of grace. And God has given to each of us grace because he knows our hearts. He knows our intentions. He knows our mentality, our mindsets. He knows each and every little thing about us. And so to whomever is listening to this podcast right now, I pray that you have been empowered. I pray that you've been inspired. Most of all, I pray that you've been uplifted to find a place to launch a full off season of healing for your life. And live out of every lie that the enemy has tried to creep into your mind. The lie of this is all you'll ever have. This is all you'll ever be. That this is it to your story. That God is not happy with you. God doesn't love you. All of those things are lies. And today I believe is a good place to uh, start something new. By beginning to break those things in your mind. um, To be able to find yourself living in a better space and season. Sophia Ruffin has great products out. And I think that it is important that each and every one of us take the time out to check them out, look at her books, read them, especially if you are wrestling with how to be that person who, number one, breaks out of where you've been, but number two, find that confidence to now walk into the fullness of who you are because God still wants to use you. I think that this is a good moment to have you to just minister and pray for those who are still in trauma, still in trouble, still in you know trials and tribulations right now that they are attempting to live outside of um, and to help them to just really find that faith and that light that they need to begin to start their journey. So if you would just take the next three to five minutes and just speak to someone, minister to them and pray for us, we'll write this conversation. Oh, I really enjoyed this. Uh, so thank you again for having me on your platform. It's an honor. It really is. And to those of you that are listening, you know, I just really want to encourage you that, you know, to trust God in the journey, trust him with the process. You know, the good news of the gospel is the benefits of salvation. That's one of the, my favorite things is there's benefits to our salvation. Not just when we die and we go to heaven, but God has given us the ability to be empowered in the earth 
and to accomplish great things. And I want you to rest in the fact that God, all things that he has declared over your life before time is yes and amen. All of his promises concerning you are yes and amen. You're going to go through a period of time where life going to throw you some blows. One of the things you cannot change is the deck of cards that you've been dealt in this life. You can't change it. Some of you, you don't even like the family you grew up in. You don't like the situations you had to deal with, the things you had to encounter. But I just stand and believe, God, that you're going to recover all. You're going to overcome every cycle of abuse, abandonment, trauma. You know, one of my favorite theme messages that the Lord has given me is he is raising up bloodline breakers. That means many of you where it's been cycles of abuse in your bloodline. It's been a traumatic event after traumatic event in your bloodline. That God is going to use you to be the bloodline breaker and that the buck stops with you. And just like Many curses have been passed along from generation to generation. I believe the Lord is releasing a boldness over you right now. Just because you're listening and you've gotten this far in this video and you've been stirred. I know somewhere between myself and Dr. Pharaoh, you've heard something that has stirred your faith. And I just want to encourage you that if God begun a good work in you, he's going to see it through. It is God's responsibility. It's his goodness. It's his nature. It's his character that he is going to see it through. And before you ever knew to love God, he loved you. And I want you to rest in that. I want you to rest in the fact that your future is secured. I know it may look like all hell is breaking loose. You may be in a situation where you hate your job. You hate your situation. You hate your environment. You don't like the things you're enduring right now. But I want to prophesy that in this next season, that this chapter of your life is getting ready to flip and you're going to step into a new season. And in and, and Psalm 20, verse 5, one of my favorite scriptures is when the Lord says, he said that all of your prayers, that all of your prayers will be answered. And in one version, he says, may all your petitions be fulfilled. In other words, when you praying and you believe in God and you praying the word of God in faith, I'm declaring that every prayer that you release out of your mouth, praying from the direct will of God, that all of them will be answered, that God is not going to allow. Matter of fact, I decree that you ain't going to leave this year with prayers unanswered. Whatever God has mandated before time in the heavens concerning you, concerning your life, concerning your death, and that's why you can stand on Jeremiah 29 11. God do. He knows the plans and thoughts that he has for you. And when you rest in that, the enemy will no longer be able to torment you. He will no longer be able to bully you. But I want you to rest in the fact, God, my future is secured because you are the author and finisher of my faith. And if you started this journey with me, you're going to see it through. And I'm telling you now, your life will never be the same. And so I just released that grace over you. May God give you the grace to give yourself uh, the ability to step into a new dimension of faith, to believe God, even if your faith is the size of a mustard seed, I declare a quantum leap over your ministry, over your life. May God blow your name in this season. And I'm telling you, may the miraculous break out where you're going to be blessed without even trying. If you fix your faith and you stand on, if it's going to be God or it's going to be God, that's been my theme all year. It's going to be God or it's going to be God. And I just 
just release that anointing over you that you're going to stand. You're going to you're not going to be double minded. You're not going to be shaken by the adversity. You're not going to be shaken by the torment of the enemy. But you're going to stand flat footed and declare it's going to be God. It's going to be God. And all things concerning your destiny is going to work out. And I just want you to receive that in faith receive it in faith and i speak a new season that pronounce a new season over your life and because you tuned into this broadcast today whatever plan plot scheme that the enemy had for you to make you feel like that god ain't with you you will never change it'll never work out for you maybe that's just for them I break every lie of the enemy and declare you will outlive the lie of the enemy. And you're going to be a miracle sign and wonder to your bloodline and to a generation that when they see you and they hear you, it'll be the testimony of Jesus that if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side, you don't know where you would be, but it will be unto God what he's about to do in and through you. So I bless you and I just release grace, strength, shalom. And favor over you now in Jesus' name. Wow. And we receive it. And I don't know who's on other than this podcast, what part of the world you're in, but I pray you receive it too in the name of Jesus. Y'all, this has been a powerful, powerful conversation with the one and only Sophia Ruffin. If you do not know her, I hope you know her now and I hope you are following her ministry, that you are keeping up with her ministry, and most of all, that you will find all of the inspirational messages, content, and uh, information that is out there to be able to follow her because she has super, super anointed and powerful, powerful testimony, things to say, things that are going to help you to live your best life and to start something new. Not next week, not tomorrow, but start it now. Listen, guys, I'm out of here. I'm super excited because next week we'll have another powerful guest who's going to show up and speak to our hearts and our souls. I hope you've been blessed today. This is it. For today, see you all. Talk to you all next week. Thanks, Sophia. Thank you so much.